You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. And I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing. And with me as she is every single week, the one, the only, Selena Kai. I mean, Christy Morris. You mean the cat burglar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I, I'm really excited to dive into this with you this week because I know Catwoman's your favorite comic book character. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons we chose uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about Catwoman Hunted, which is, of course, out on home release as well as on HBO Max. So you can check that out any of those places. But before we get there, just a huge request that you would do something for us. Follow us on social media over at the 602 Club on Twitter or we're on the 602 Club TFM on Instagram. Uh, of course, you could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trackfm. There's the listeners only discussion group you can join over there called the Babel Conference, as well as going over to trek.fm and checking out all of the shows that we've got. Plus, You can also do us another big favor, and you might know what it is, but help us out. If you've got uh, a platform uh, for podcasts that allows you to give a star rating or a review, please do that for the 602 Club. It's been a while since that's happened, especially in Apple Podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, It continues to help more people find the show. Of course, uh, another good way to help out the podcast is recommend it to a friend. So recommend the 602 Club to people. Share it on social media. That makes a big difference as well. And of course, you can help us out by going over to Patreon, which allows us to keep doing each of these podcasts each and every week. It is way too expensive for the hosts here to put it on ourselves. So if you like the content that we have here on the the 602 Club, as well as on Trek FM. You can go to patreon.com slash FM and see how you can be part of our team uh, and make sure that, again, all of these podcasts keep coming to you each and every week. So, well, Christy, uh, we've talked about some of these animated movies on the 602 Club before for DC. Um, they've tended to do very well. People uh, seem to really like them. Uh, and they keep making them. And so, uh, obviously, Catwoman is one of your favorite characters. But I was really interested in this movie that, you know, a lot of these movies, the opening credits can be kind of like a throwaway. But here, they're actually really important parts of the story. In fact, if you're not paying attention to the opening credits, you will actually miss a very important part to the story, which is the reason that Catwoman kind of gets roped into the rest of this and allows herself to continually be roped into the rest of the story um, because of what happens in the opening credits. Oh, 1000%. This is the kind of thing where, like you said, usually you would just get through the opening credits not really paying attention. But here they are visually giving you story points of why Catwoman gets pulled into this in the first place and 
to really signify once again that although she is a cat burglar and lives kind of in the gray area of the law, that she does have a heart and that on occasion she is Mm -hmm. willing to go out of her way to help someone else or a group of people. Um, And so you have to have paid attention here in the opening to understand later why she brings up human trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is definitely something that's right up with most of the comics in the sense that and even things that we have seen in uh, films uh, especially with nolan's version of catwoman which is that yes she is very much a character who rides the gray line but at the same time uh she is also a character that does have her own sense of morality Mm-hmm. And uh, and especially things for, um, you know, people mistreating women or children, those type of things we see a lot with uh, Catwoman. In fact, we even saw it in the recent Batman movie with uh, Zoe Kravitz take as well. You know, she's helping out uh, the, the girl who gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this is definitely a part of the character. And, and I, I appreciate this, too, is like this is a, a way in which, you know, the run times for these films are always relatively short, you know, maybe hour 15, hour 20 minutes. And so by using the credits in this way, you allow yourself to be able to have an important story point that the rest of this hinges on. But at the same time, uh, you're not necessarily really using any other runtime. Exactly. And you really get to show off a a whole different way of telling the story. Like you and I've said before, show, don't tell. They're showing you rather than doing any kind of um, super long dialogue later or um, words, you know, like a a, not an opening crawl, but you get what I mean, like a a -hmm. prologue or something. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like that they're showing off a different animation style here. You know, it's sort of the way that they bring you into into the Spider-Verse, where it's just totally not what you would expect. And it looks very two-dimensional, but then it goes back and forth between 2D and 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those places where they're having fun with the idea of we're in an animated world mm-hmm. and, you know, it gives them an opportunity to kind of play around and, and, you know, credits like this. It also kind of reminds me a little bit of how, you know, the most recent Bond movies, if you're paying attention, uh, especially the Daniel Craig versions, um, every single one of those credit sequences tells you the story of the movie before right. you see it. And it's only kind of once you go back and rewatch it, you're like, oh, okay. So, and, and so this is one of those places where they're, they're getting a chance to use this for story purposes and then, um, play around with animation, which is always fun. And so I really did, I did enjoy, uh, the fact that, that they utilize this this way. And of course, it also, you know, it allows you to connect with the character of Catwoman in the sense that, and this is, I think, why so many people enjoy Catwoman is that she's a character that is good and bad at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? She's she's just kind of out for herself, but at the same time, there are things to which she finds morally reprehensible that she'll stand up to. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, finding out that these women are being trafficked and freeing them is important to her. 
Um, and so I, I loved that. And so, you know, the opening credits and using them was great. And, you know, we mentioned that this is kind of the way in which she gets pulled in to the entire story. Um, and how then you kind of get Interpol and Batwoman helping them to helping convince her to help them take Leviathan down in exchange for something that we've seen Catwoman want, which is a clean slate. Mm -hmm. And I like that they're showing that she does have these moments where there are things she'll stand up for, but that also for her, it's never been about getting rich, that she steals because she likes the chase and then she sometimes is doing it for a purpose like this, where ultimately the money is going to help free people. Mm -hmm. And then they did, like you said, also have a way now to kind of bring Batwoman into the story. I actually didn't expect that. Honestly, it, you know, it was interesting. Usually I've been more of a Batgirl fan. Um, So getting to see her team up with Catwoman and being used in this way was different and some a, a mm-hmm. character that I didn't expect to be thrown into this movie. I think, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And I, it's one of the things that's uh, quite interesting about the film was the way in which, you know, and of course, instead of it being Batman, it's Batwoman um, that we are uh, having in the story, which, of course, allows them to kind of play with, um, you know, Catwoman sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, and um, of course, you know, Batwoman as well, uh, which, you know, is an interesting interplay. Um, but I, I think, like you said, what was most interesting about this to me was the way in which the idea for her in stealing these things wasn't just really about her. It actually had more to do with the fact that she needed the money to support the girls that she had freed and give them a life that they would never have to worry again. Right. Uh, They would be set for life. And, of course, you know, I think for her, too, which makes this really interesting, is the fact that, you know, she enjoys the hunt. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, she enjoys being on the hunt for these things and getting a, the the opportunity to steal them. I, I think there's a there's a real joy for her, of course, in that, which makes sense. You know, she is a cat burglar and she kind of gets her thrills by being able to steal things from under people's noses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of that, I think, really works for the story here. And you're you just are able to have a more nuanced character in this, you know, um, because of the fact that she's kind of walking this gray line uh, that, you know, she's doing good things, but not necessarily always for like the most altruistic reasons. Mm-hmm. There are some in there, but then there, you know, it's, it's all mixed together and it, and it, it just makes it a lot more fun, I think because of that. And, it pulls you in with the rest of the story here in the sense that, you know, this is, you've got Leviathan who is, you know, a a DC uh, evil organization and the whole idea of her helping to take them down 
was was really interesting uh and you know then helping these interpol agents you know and one of them i thought was you know it's kind of fun you got uh last name is uh pennyworth uh so i'm guessing that that must be you know related to alfred in some way so that's fun Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i mean it's great you know that you 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 got the opportunity to like they kind of threw a little bit of everything here into this story which was which was fun so um so i'm really interested for you because this is an anime inspired animation style and especially with the character design uh and um even just a little bit of the look of the film it's not completely but really i think the the place where it shows up to me the most was just in character design um, and uh, the way that the characters look. And so uh, how did that end up working for you? You know, it's interesting. You can tell, like you said, the most in the character design, especially in their facial expressions and the way that their eyes are drawn. I mean, they have that, you know, kind of anime Sailor Moon kind of look to them. Um, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then also part of that is because the man that created the Pokemon TV series worked on this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so obviously then you can see that similarity if you've watched that series, um, which I think you should if you haven't. Um, But usually I'm not an anime fan, I will say. Don't kill me, but I'm not usually. But this one, I think with the way that the writing was done it just made the animation stand up so much better. I think that, you know, probably the reason that sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not a huge anime fan is because it can seem so kitty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the, the emotional response sometimes of the characters. Um, but here I feel like it is much more of a mature way of telling the story and having the characters speak. Sure. So I like that better. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I think for the most part, it really works. And uh, before we were recording, you were showing me you've got the Adam Hughes book of his artwork, especially with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And this this character design is straight from his work. And I think that fits within the anime style in the sense, you know, kind of the larger eyes um, and uh, even his take in the sense of like her having this kind of like Audrey Hepburn style face, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the, the shaped face, all of that I think really works. And so, I, I mean, to me, I didn't have any issues with that. I think it, it worked in that sense. The only one that didn't work for me, honestly, was when they removed Batgirl's wig and mask helmet. Yeah. And the wig and the mask. And She looks way too young and the idea, like you said, like kind of having this kiddish look instead of, you know, almost like because anime is is different, lots of different styles. But you you can have like the Ghost in the Shell style or you can have something like a Pokemon style. And I felt like the age that they portrayed for Batwoman without her mask on didn't work at all. She came off as being a child basically Mm -hmm. which made it really creepy then with what Catwoman was trying to do which was you know subtly somewhat seduce her so she could get what she wanted Mm -hmm. not really she's just trying to keep her on her toes yeah um and and it just it just didn't work for me there and then animation in general 
there were some places, especially with a car chase sequence, where they're using kind of like the 3D animation mixed with the 2D animation where it just didn't quite meld well enough for me. Mm. But overall, I mean, I think the animation style and the choice of using the anime inspiration worked for the most part. Uh, and, and I mean, I think part of that is that Catwoman herself, I think, lends herself to be to being portrayed in an anime style right yeah i'm especially glad you mentioned that with her eyes because she's always usually drawn that way to have um like Mm -hmm. large eyes and the goggles and you know things like that so it does suit that but yeah i agree i mean actually batwoman with her mask on and the wig looked more mature than with it yes. off. So it, it was weird. Um, yeah. But I do think that that was a funny scene because they're showing that Catwoman will use any tool in her arsenal to manipulate someone into oh, yeah. doing oh, yeah. or getting what she wants. So she's an equal yes. opportunity manipulator. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. And I mean, and I think, uh, you know, for her, uh, and it always has been this way in the comics, you know, sexuality is another weapon. Yeah. Uh, and and so a hundred percent. You uh, and one of the things that you had mentioned here was the fact that we kind of have familiar characters um, and the, the you know, we have Greg Weissman who's involved with this film. And this is kind of adjacent to his Young Justice series, which I still need to watch the newest season. Um, oh, yeah. Me now too. that it's completed. I haven't, I've gotten a chance to check that out, but I've loved the show for the most part. And you've got characters like Cheshire and, um, you know, you've got the League of Shadows with Talia Ghul uh, and those kind of things with Leviathan that we've seen in Young Justice kind of being used here as well. And so that was really interesting to, to see that for him, this is kind of just adjacent to that. It's not necessarily... Um, in full continuity with Young Justice, but I, that was really interesting because I mean that's a big part of, um, you know the DC love these days is Young Justice. That series has been a fan favorite for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can see why as a as a fan myself of Young Justice, mm-hmm. it's great because it has some fun to it and can be okay relatively for kids to watch but it also has a lot of really serious topics and deals with more adult issues you know like um family drama or um you know coming from parents that lived a life of crime but you want to be different i'm looking at artemis um you know just different things like that so it's cool that it kind of rides the line between being a kid-friendly show, mm-hmm. but also something adults could enjoy. And then this, I feel like, is the same kind of thing. Because it feels like, you know how in uh, Batman the Animated Series, they don't really show the villains ever die. They get mm-hmm. injured, but it's not usually like violent deaths on screen. Um, and I feel like this yeah. movie, for the most part, was the same way. Um Except for the scene where I was kind of surprised that they show Cheshire, I mean, not Cheshire, um, Cheetah impaled. Um, but then later, apparently because of her superhuman abilities, she survives. Um, that was the most extreme we got in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. No, I thought, uh, like you said, I really enjoy Young Justice. I thought, I think it's been a great show, and um, the the fact that you kind of, and it makes sense, you know, Greg Weissman is uh, the the main person involved with Young Justice and having helped create it and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, keep it going. So the fact that these characters would have some connection with that or, or seem familiar with what he's already done makes complete sense. Uh, but I am glad that it it's not something where it was trying to tie into that because right. Young Justice itself is a story that there is a story that has been going now for so long uh, that I think um, – trying to really tie into it too much would be too much. Uh, and mm-hmm. so um, I'm glad that they just didn't go in that direction. And so. you would have less freedom, you know, with the ability to tell a story here. It's good that it was adjacent rather than trying to be part of that story deliberately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the voice cast has some memorable names in, in the sense that we had like Steve Blum, uh, yeah. you know, who's, uh, from Rebels as Zeb, you know, you had Lord, Lauren Cohen, um, big time, you know, in the geek world, especially with, you know, her role in The Walking Dead. She was also going to show I really love called Whiskey Cavalier that got canceled. Dang you. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Frakes, you know. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice. What, the Interpol agent. Yeah. I mean, so um, I, I just, I don't, it's not one of those things where I would think, it'd be really worth kind of going through and talking about everyone because for the most part, I think everybody does a great job. I, I was going to ask though more for you. It Was there a standout for you that you really enjoyed? Uh, and then, you know, was there anyone where you're just like, that, that just didn't quite work for me? Um, so I think that as far as anything not quite working, I didn't feel that way. Um, I especially um, did want to give a shout out. I thought it was cool that they involved the character of Black Mask or Roman in this story as well, because we have just seen him. If you watched the um, Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you and McGregor played him in that movie. And so it was cool to get to see that character being used again. Um, but as far as the voice yeah. cast, I think everyone was great. But I, I do think especially Elizabeth Gillies as Catwoman did a really standout job. Um, mm-hmm. I think she rode that line perfectly of coming across as like a Bond girl, you know, going back to your mention of Bond films. Um, you know, it was very smooth and charismatic and yet quippy when she needed to be. And apparently the actress is also a singer and has performed with Ariana Grande. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So that makes sense then why her voice would be able to work this way and be a little bit different than possibly the average voice actor. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and I, I think, you know, definitely, I think it definitely helps, you know, with her as, as well uh, in, in the role. Um, I thought she did well too, you know, playing uh, Catwoman is is a is a big deal. I think she did a pretty decent job of it as well. Um, I it has nothing to do with her performance. I did not necessarily love how they had her kind of talking to herself or her cat all the time. Yeah, um, that part kind of didn't work for me. Uh, and so, and I'll have to say, um, I did not love Stephanie Beatriz as 
Batwoman at all. Her voice didn't work for me mm. in the slightest as Batwoman. Um, it just sounded wrong. I don't know why. Like, it, there's nothing against her or whatever. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like, and yeah, it, it just, there was just something about it that every time she spoke, I was like, that just, for some reason, it doesn't f- sound like what I think Batwoman should sound like. So it's probably a me problem. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's for me where I was just a little bit lost in the sense that I didn't love the voice work there. Um, and then I liked that Black Mask was in this. I thought that was really interesting. What I hated, though, is that every time he's on screen and he's talking, his mouth doesn't move. Yeah. And so there's just this really weird thing of just like you're having this kind of stilted character. So it it really lacks with that character the kind of suaveness that you feel like the character is kind of supposed to have, this kind of evil suave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when his mouth's not moving at all and he just has this stationary mask, it just felt weird to me. Um, And so I, um, I... there were some there were some things that I wasn't a huge fan of of the choices that they made um mm-hmm. with either the voice cast or just kind of the design but overall I you know so many of these people have been doing these movies for so long and been involved in the voice acting world they're fantastic mm-hmm. so yeah and uh, I thought that Steve I had no complaints with that and that's what I was gonna say too Steve Bloom I thought was great i mean he always does really fun characters and um yeah for someone like me who has heard of solomon grundy before but isn't super familiar with that character i thought this was funny um and having him entirely you know the whole time just repeating Mm -hmm. the same thing um and catwoman kind of being the one to explain that he's going to regenerate um that was cute i I mean yes knowing solomon Grundy and uh, I mean, in all honesty, terribly annoying, uh, <laughs> you know, um, because he really is. He's it's really frustrating to to listen to him say the same thing over and over and over again. But perfect portrayal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, He's so like Groot. I, I think he did a yeah, yeah. And <laughs> in some ways, yes. Um, you know, Groot doesn't keep saying it over and over and over <laughs> again. But yeah, um, I think I think it really uh, it worked. So I'm I, something that stood out to me uh, about this movie, and you know, uh, again, kind of referencing the fact that uh, you know you were mentioning Adam Hughes before recording, and the the reason that he drew his Catwoman the way he did was because of taking inspiration from Audrey Hepburn and which for me was really fascinating because this movie and its soundtrack is mostly jazz mm-hmm. uh, and uh, which I think plays into that idea so well in that you have this Audrey Hepburn like character and then the music kind of reflects that you know, 1950s jazz. Um, and to me, that's one of the things that worked really, really well here was kind of like melding that sound with the anime infused animation 
uh, and Catwoman herself, all of that to me just kind of made sense and worked. Yeah, I think that their choice here for the um, composer of the score and everything was such a great idea because they really understand that you want to combine things about Catwoman and that kind of, you know, like you said, like Audrey Hepburn-esque feel um, also with things like spy movies, kind of that um, maybe also film noir a little bit and put it all mm-hmm. together with the music. And so ultimately you kind of have a amalgamation of all of those things together. And the music was by Yutaka Yamada. Um, and it reminded me as well of like the same way they did the music for the Incredibles. It's got mm-hmm. that instrumental jazzy yet still spy movie kind of feel to it. Oh yeah. And you get a lot yeah. of that in the opening credits to pair with the animation. Um, but also then even all of the scenes where they're doing, um, I always think of entrapment when you've got lasers surrounding something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that whole scene, it just fits so well with what you're doing here. And the style of the movie feels like an, a more classical film style. Yeah, no, I, I think that you kind of hit that really well. Um, the the choice of jazz, I think, just makes sense. I was actually really disappointed that this soundtrack wasn't available anywhere to listen to mm. because I was just having so much fun with the movie, listening to it, uh, and the way it kind of fit with the the film and what they were trying to do. I think the tone that they were going for, which is, in many ways, I think the tone is that kind of jazz feel right like mm-hmm. it, it, it's supposed to feel kind of campy and fun and a little bit goofy not super serious and i think that's something that really i think again made the movie work um and so yeah i, I thought it was a great choice and again a lot of these animated features do get soundtrack releases even if it's just digitally and this one was like i'm sad that it was not available i was actually surprised it was unavailable because it was such a fun listen um was there uh, anything else that either worked for you or didn't work for you here with catwoman hunted I'm glad you asked. There were two things that I thought of. One that did work for me that I thought was super funny was mentioning um, Catwoman fights dirty. Because I thought, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's her thing. She is totally the person that will do whatever it takes to get out of a situation like a cat would do. Cats fight dirty. So Catwoman's going to fight dirty. And so I love when she's fighting Whale and she says, don't make me fight dirty. And he's still coming, mm-hmm. so she kicks him right in the crotch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and then, the, you know, I will say that the only other thing I think you and I both felt was a little unlikely was Catwoman fighting Cheetah and winning. Because mm-hmm. they're just in entirely different leagues. Cheetah is a person with superhuman powers, whereas Catwoman is just a person a mortal who happens to be mm-hmm. uh, more graceful and deft and um, acrobatic, but not superhuman. <laughs> well, yeah, I I think 
the thing that really kind of annoyed me about the film the most was the fact that Cheetah and Catwoman have this cat fight. Mm-hmm. And I get, you know, kind of why they're doing it. Um, you know, it's cat, it's a cat fight. Um, literally, <laughs> but yeah, I, this is a Wonder Woman villain that fights Wonder Woman who can stand up with Superman in like strength category. Like they can have a fight together and it's just not automatic that, I mean, Superman will probably win in the end, but it, you know, like w- w- that's the strength level we're talking yeah. about. Like in Wonder Catwoman Woman has no 1984. Yeah. She had a hard time yeah, beating exactly. Cheetah. Yeah. Well, and and any of the comics you see where or any of the comic book uh, animated shows where you've seen Catwoman and Wonder Woman fight, it's it's, you know, it's a brawl. And so, yeah, that that part just didn't make sense to me at all. Uh, And so it was just it it took a little bit away from the movie for me to do that uh, just because, look, I love comic books and everything, but to have a fight between two characters who shouldn't be having a fight at all. Um, it, and it's not as though like Catwoman's doing the thing that Batman would do if he was fighting Superman, which is, you know, have all of these contingency plans. You right. know, this is, this is not that at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I just didn't love it. Um, but yeah, uh, that was probably the biggest thing for me that really kind of bothered me in any way about the, the choices that they made. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, obviously we're talking about a movie that's an hour long and so we don't have to need spend an hour talking about it, but I'm really interested then to see where you kind of come down ratings wise with Catwoman Hunted. Yeah. Um, I thought about it and I feel like although it's fun, you know, like a lighthearted kind of movie, I don't necessarily think it's a perfect movie either. Um, So I kind of come down with a, I don't usually rate in portions, but I'm going to say like a 3.75 out of five cheetah scratches because it's pretty good. But, you know, I wasn't initially aware that it was even coming out until it popped up on my for you suggestions on HBO Max. Um, And I kind of wanted a little bit more from it, maybe for things to feel a little bit more difficult for Selena even. Um, You know, although it's called Catwoman Hunted, it does feel a little bit like nothing gets her down, you know? So, yeah, I think I just wanted it to be a little bit deeper for her. Um and make you feel that there were more stakes. But ultimately, Mm. you know, I think it was fun. Um, I love involving it with the whole stories in the past in the comics of Talia al Ghul Mm -hmm. and the League of Shadows and bringing in things from Young Justice. I love all of that tying in together. And I still, of course, love Catwoman the most. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think it's really interesting uh, you know, even just coming from somebody who's just such a fan of Catwoman. But I think you really did hit it on the nose very well in the sense that everything in the movie does seem to be too easy. And and I think the thing that we praised about 
the fact that they, you know, you you have this reason for Catwoman wanting to do this, and and it's because they show it to us in the credits and everything. I almost do feel like that that is a downfall to the film because there isn't more depth to it, and there could be more depth to it. Yeah. You know, because there there is something really important here happening. It's almost like they're afraid to allow that depth to happen, which is disappointing uh, because I think it 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 could be more than it is. And I, I feel like as fun it as it is, it also is hampered by the sense that, yeah, we I think we do do some things in the movie that even for a comic book don't make sense. Uh, and so I would give this, you know, three out of five stolen crown jewels um, because it's, it's, it's not bad or anything. It's just, it, I, I see where I feel like the movie could be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to your point, they could have shown her actually freeing the girls at the end. You never actually see the people she's helping. Yeah. And I think that would be nice, mm-hmm. you know, to actually get a chance to, to be connected with the, with the main reason that all this is happening for her. Uh, and that way, I think that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, well, Christy, we are definitely at the time of the show now where we give our recommendations for everyone. So I can't wait to see what you are going to recommend to everyone today. Well, of course, it had to be more Catwoman content, right? So uh, I am going to recommend, even if I have possibly recommended it before, but I don't think I have, um, checking out the comic series Gotham City Sirens which was written oh, by Paul okay. Denny and illustrated by Gillam March. And nice. um, they did some really cool variant covers of this as well, where they had, um, it's a, a combo book, by the way, of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman working together in a team up, which I love because they're an unlikely team, but here they are. Um, but they did covers of each of the three of them surrounded by flower petals. And it's just really beautiful artwork um, and a fun story. And uh, I have the trade hardback of all of them in one book. But yeah, so check that out. Gotham City Sirens. Really cool story. So um, I actually went to the theater and there's not a ton of stuff in the theater these days, but um, I went and saw a movie with Idris Elba called Beast about a rogue lion uh, and uh, that's attacking people in Africa. And, you know, it was one of those like taut 90 minute thrillers. Mm. And I just I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was a fun movie. I would definitely recommend checking it out in the theater, especially since there's not a lot coming out right now. Um, And then one other thing uh, is that they just released a home uh, video. Uh, It's not video anymore, but it's hard. And what do you say? A home release, whatever. Uh, So they they just uh, brought out Jurassic World Dominion, the extended cut. And it is great. Mm. I, of course, really enjoyed the movie as as it was. But this is actually what Trevorrow wanted to be in theaters. And then the, they asked him to cut like 14 minutes of the film. And he did. But 
they allowed him to put this on the home release, and I think it's fantastic. And so, and in fact, I just think it's a better version of the movie because I think all the thematic elements play much better uh, because a lot of the things they cut out just add more context uh, to a lot that you're seeing. So it was fantastic. So yeah, two things for me this week I'm going to recommend you check out. But Christy, if people want to catch up with you, where should they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And of course, then in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And when I'm not here, uh, I did a finished podcast called Sabres and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa that I hope you'll check out on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. And where can people find you? Well, uh, you could do that all over social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, Vero. You can follow me in any of those places. Uh, you of course find me here on the network doing a bunch of other shows, literary tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, The Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Warp Five about Star Trek Enterprise, The Artificial Tango about Star Trek Picard, and Saddle Up about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And then I'm over on the Nerd Party Network with two shows. One is a completed show that I did with Drea Kaufman, and we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And then last but not least, you can find me with John Mills doing Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast that I hope that you will check out. But as always, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Thank you.